Hello, welcome to Years of Hurt, a Euro 2020 podcast with me, Richard Carey. It's been an eventful few days in the second matches of the group stage, and that was capped off on Friday night by England versus Scotland. We'll be recapping the grudge match between the home nations and also look at Wales' chances for qualifying after they face Turkey earlier in the week. We start off with a bit of news. You may have heard this earlier in the week. Dean Henderson pulled out of the England squad due to an injury. The keeper was on the bench for the Croatia game, but his hip injury was deemed to hamper him too much in training. He has been replaced in the squad by Sheffield United keeper Aaron Ramsdale. Also, Sergio Ramos looks set to leave Real Madrid after 16 years at the club. They've been unable to reach an agreement on a contract extension. Obviously, Ramos was left out of the Spain squad for the Euros and has had a tough time of injuries this year. But the 35-year-old is likely to be in high demand as a free transfer, as long as someone can afford his wage demands. And Christian Eriksen released a statement from hospital after recovering from a cardiac arrest that happened during Denmark's game against Finland. Christian said, Hello everyone, big thanks for your sweet and amazing greetings and messages from all around the world. It means a lot to me and my family. I'm fine under the circumstances. I still have to go through some examinations at the hospital, but I feel okay. Now I will cheer on the boys on the Denmark team in the next matches. Play for all of Denmark. Let's all wish Christian the best with his recovery. So time to look at the results so far for match day two. In group A, Turkey nil, Wales two, Italy three, Switzerland nil. In group B, Finland nil, Russia one, Denmark one, Belgium two. And in Group C, Ukraine 2, North Macedonia 1, Netherlands 2, Austria 0. In Group D, Croatia 1, Czech Republic 1, England 0, Scotland 0. There was also a match in Group E as Sweden beat Slovakia 1 0. We'll save that recap for our next episode where we'll also be covering the other group game between Spain and Poland. Scotland corner, aimed it towards Hanley, drops for Dykes, cleared off the line by Rhys James, who's England's hero. So we start with a big derby game at Wembley, England versus Scotland. Yes, this is a big one. This match has caused Gaza's goal from Euro 96 to be repeated ad infinitum by TV channels and on social media. But would England manage a repeat of that classic 2-0 win against Scotland from 25 years ago? England had a corner in the 11th minute. The ball was delivered into John Stones, who hit the post. A great chance goes begging. Sterling played the ball into Mason Mount, who put it wide. Foden had a shot, but it went wide of the left post. It wouldn't have counted as the flag went up anyway. Scotland got closest. Tierney crossed the ball to O'Donnell at the back post. His shot had to be palmed away by Pickford. A great save, really. In the second half, Mount had a shot from distance, and Marshall got a hand to it to push it wide. Dykes had a shot from outside the box. It deflected and almost fell to Adams, but he couldn't capitalise on it. After a corner, Hanley headed it down. Dykes had a shot with his left foot, but it was cleared off the line by Rhys James. I'm not really sure if it was going in, though. It seemed to be going wide, but he had to make sure. It was a pretty poor shot by Shaw. I don't think he looked up at goal before he had the shot. Robertson crossed it in. It fell to Adams at the back post, and he scuffed it after a bit of a bobble. It was a bit of a rugby scrum in the Scotland box before it finished England nil, Scotland nil. Well, 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 you know, I predicted before this match it was going to be a 1-1 draw because I just felt that Scotland were going to really be up for this. And it was a draw, obviously goalless. 
that wasn't exactly a boring nil-nil draw, though it really uh, had enough action, especially in that last half an hour. I feel like Scotland were actually the better side. They really looked well organised defensively. And to be honest, they looked more like scoring than England did. It seemed like the injection of Adams into the side and return of Cheney really helped them to improve significantly for their first game. And you can tell they're really up for this. As for England, a pretty poor day at the office in a match they were expected to win. Harry Kane in particular not really doing much in this tournament. There's no way he's going to win the Golden Boot unless Panama are late addition to the Euros. Perhaps he's a bit tired after a long season, so now it's up to other players to step up and be that threat in front of goal. It'd be interesting to even see if Kane plays against the Czech Republic. England's build-up play was slow. Phillips struggled a lot more in this match. They can't really blame the heat this time, so maybe they'll blame the rain instead. It was so wet that Phil Foden's Gazza haircut had him looking more like Eminem by the time he was subbed off. Southgate's tinkering has been criticised. He made two changes for this match with Short and James in and Walker and Trippier out. Rhys James certainly paid off for that goal line clearance, but I wonder if they could have done with Trippier here. Southgate only made two out of a possible five substitutions. Maybe he should have used the opportunity to bring up more fresh legs onto the pitch and change things up to trouble the Scots. I'm not going to be using the hashtag Southgate out anytime soon. You have to play the long game with these things and there's still many more games to play in the Euros, hopefully. Sometimes a blip like this doesn't mean that much in the grand scheme of things. I must admit, I was sort of rooting for Scotland by the end of the game because I felt like they deserved more than the one point they got. But that point could be crucial when it comes to qualifying. They still need to beat Croatia. And I do think that's achievable considering how Scotland played against England and how Croatia have been so far in this tournament quite poor. England's ITV curse continued out of all the 2018 World Cup matches that were shown on ITV. They didn't win a game in normal or extra time. And they still failed to win here. So bad news for England fans. Their final group game against the Czech Republic will also be on ITV. But whatever happens, four points should be enough to send England through to the round of 16, and it could mean they avoid a difficult draw against a group of death side. England have to win against the Czechs to win the group, as the draw will leave them in second place on goal difference. In the other Group D game, Croatia took on the Czech Republic. The Czechs had their star man, the on-form Schick, who scored two goals in their opening win against Scotland. Croatia struggled against England at Wembley. Would they be able to bounce back here? Lovren had a free kick for Croatia, but he booted it way over the bar. Modric squared it to Perisic, but it was straight at the keeper. Yanto crossed the ball in for Czech Republic. Lovren headed it clear, but caught Schick in the process. It gave him a bit of a nosebleed, that one. This went to VAR, the referee had a look at the replay, and awarded the penalty. A bit controversial there, because Lovren had to get his hands up to head the ball. Seemed a bit unfair. Schick stepped up to take the penalty and slotted it into the back of the net. 1-0 Czech Republic and 3 out of 7 for successful penalties at the Euros. There was a ball played through to Rebic, but he put it way wide. Early in the second half, Perisic picked up the ball on the left-hand side. He cut inside, took a shot and scored a great piece of skill from Perisic to make it 1-1. Suchek had a shot from distance, but it went wide. Lasic had a shot, but it just went over the bar. And at full time, it finished Croatia 1, Czech Republic 1. So I was listening to this game on 5 Live and the commentators decided to go on quite a few tangents. One was about opening a crazy golf course in Shisha Bar in Salisbury. And the other was about late 80s band Bros. That probably shows you how boring this game was. Even watching the highlights package for this recap was a bit dull. Croatia don't look like a threat at all at the Euros. They just had that one moment of brilliance from Perisic and that was it. Modric was rewarded star of the match. I'm not really sure why. He didn't really do much at all. 
I admit they were lucky with the penalty. It shouldn't have been given, but it's not like they really deserve to win anyway. For Czech Republic, it might be a case of job done here. Four points almost guarantees them a place in the last 16. Sheik has been brilliant for them and is currently the top scorer at the Euros. Well, technically, he's top scorer joint with own goals. So the Czech Republic are at the top of Group D with four points and better goal difference than England, who are in second place. Croatia are in third with one point and Scotland are still at the bottom of the table for now with one point. Gareth Bale advances again and touches yeah! it back for the second goal. That has finished it off. It's a piece of brilliance from Gareth Bale. Tucked home by Connor Roberts and that'll do it. There's people crying away to our right, the Wales fans. So Wales faced Turkey in Azerbaijan in a game where so many Turkey fans were in attendance, it was basically a home game for them. Turkey had been fancied to do something in this tournament, but things weren't looking up for them after their defeat to Italy. Wales drew their first match with Switzerland, so if they didn't win here, they'd have to get something from Italy in their final match. What would be the outcome for the Welsh Dragons? So in the early going, Bale played a free ball to Ramsey. He tried to beat the keeper at the near post, but it was saved. Yilmaz had a decent attempt for Turkey, but it went wide. There seemed to be a handball in the box by Hyonsu. It missed his arm at first and accidentally hit him on the elbow, so no penalty was given. Bale played another free ball to Ramsey, who beat the offside trap, but blasted the ball over the bar. Iron had a header from a corner. It was cleared off the line by Morel. I'm not sure if it was going in, though. After a third through ball from Bale, Ramsey finally took the chance and slotted it into the back of the net, 1-0 to Wales. In the second half, Ramsey's low shot was saved. Bale made a run into the turkey box. Zeki Shelik took him down with a foul and it was a penalty to Wales. Bale stepped up, but he didn't look very confident at all and he blasted the penalty over the bar. The least you can do is hit the target, really. Almost straight after that, he blocked a clearance from the keeper, Kajir, and it almost ended up in the back of the net. As another chance from a corner for Turkey, Demerol headed it at the back post, but it was a great save from Ward to deny him. Off a short corner, Bale beat three players of ease, played the ball across to Roberts, who slotted it away. 2-0 to Wales in stoppage time. That's how it finished, Turkey nil, Wales 2. So an important win for Wales, they definitely had the better chances. Ramsey probably should have had a hat-trick though, with all the golden chances he was given. Bale had a fantastic day with assists, but not so much with the penalty, let's just say that. He didn't look confident, and I think he probably should have given that one to Ramsey or someone else. After the penalty miss, I expected to see an equaliser from Turkey, but the Welsh did well to hold on with a great save from Ward. I saw a few people on Twitter actually criticise the lack of quality in this match. Well, you can't have Champions League quality every time, you know. Sometimes it's going to be like a gritty third-round FA Cup tie like this one. I've got to say I'm very disappointed with Turkey. They only conceded three goals in qualifying, but have already let in five goals in two games at the Euros. I guess there's been quite a long gap between qualifying and the actual tournament with the year delay and all. They really don't seem up to much and their only threat came from set pieces. They are basically the Stoke City of the Euros. The win means that Wales are almost certain to qualify as every team who had four points in Euro 2016 qualified for the second round. It would take something extraordinary to stop them. That means they don't have to worry about beating Italy, which is likely to be their toughest test when they travel to Rome for their final group game. Speaking of Italy, they were involved in the other Group A match against Switzerland. Once again on home soil, could the Italians keep up their great form, which saw them beat Turkey 3-0 in the opener? Immobile had an early chance with a header from a Spinoza cross, but he put it over the bar. 
A corner came in and after a bit of a missed header, Cellini put the ball in the net. However, VAR ruled it out as the ball hit his hand. Locatelli played the ball wide to Barandi. He ran into the box and squared it back to Locatelli, who put it in the open net, 1-0 to Italy. Great stuff. Insigne tried to curl the ball in at the back post, but Akic headed it away from danger. In the second half, Locatelli had a shot from outside the 18-yard box and put it in the bottom right-hand corner, his second goal of the match to make it 2-0 Italy. Zuba had a pair of shots for Switzerland, but Dunaruna did well to deny him on both occasions. Mobley had a chance, but he put the ball wide. Mobley had another chance from 25 yards and didn't waste this one. He stuck it in the bottom left corner, 3-0 Italy. At the final whistle, it finished Italy 3, Switzerland 0. A pair of 3-0 wins for Italy and another star to talk about Locatelli. He had a quiet game in the opener but came to life in this one with two goals. The passing and movement from Italy is exemplary, particularly from Brandi on that right-hand side, getting a fair few assists now. Spinoza has also been impressive making runs for that left-back position. The Italians have been so dominant so far even if they haven't had massive competition so far. They became the first team to qualify for the last 16 and a point against Wales will be enough for them to top the group. But I can see them running out the reserves for that third game so you never know it actually might give Wales a chance. If not, I see Italy steamrolling them. There's not much happening here for Switzerland. Losing by three goals is no good for the goal difference. They will have to get a few against Turkey if they want to qualify. So once again, I've been looking for your Dream 11s on Twitter, at YOHEuros. This time I asked for a team of TV and radio presenters. David Gray said Paddy McGuinness in goal. No like it, no goalie. Dion Dublin up front, well, of course. But only between filming of Homes Under the Hammer, maybe you want to keep Martin Roberts on rotation. He's gone for quite a few former footballers like Gordon Ramsay at centre-back and Bradley Walsh on the right wing, but I think Bradley was left-back and Ramsay played up front, if I'm right in thinking. So as a radio person, I wanted to come up with my ultimate radio presenter 11. So I've got in goal, Laszlo from the GCA games, because American keepers are usually quite good, like Friedel and Howard, but Laszlo might get caught up in a scandal, so we've always got Gambo on the bench just in case. At the back is a mostly Radio 2 inspired back four with Steve Wright as a right back, Terry Wogan and Ken Bruce as centre backs. We got with Christian O'Connell as a left back from the days he was on Absolute Radio before he moved to Oz. I've gone with the 90s partnership of Wiley and Lamac on the wings. We need a creative presence in midfield, so we've gone with Kenny Everett and John Holmes. They'll be creating stuff all day. And up front, John Peel and Alan Partridge because Alan Partridge will always stick it in the back of the net. And there'll still be a lot of big names on the bench, like Freeman, Blackburn, Moyles, James, and Tarrant, of course. So we may have some more Dream 11s for you to take part in as the tournament moves on. So get involved and follow us at YOHEuros on Twitter. Time for the Group B clash between Finland and Russia. With a two-hour delay due to the Christian Eriksen situation, Finland managed to beat Denmark in an opening game. Could they do the same to a Russia side coming off the back of defeat by Belgium? Russia lost the ball down the left. Ratilana crossed it into Pozjan Palo, who headed it into the net, but VAR overturned it for the tiniest of offsides. Very unlucky there. Russia had the ball in the Finland box. Miracic squared it to Ozdev, who blasted it over. A low cross came in from Kajayev. It looked like a golden opportunity for a Tap in for Karavej at the back post, but the Finnish defender Jurinen made a goal-saving tackle to prevent him. 
just before the half-time whistle, Mirashuk did a 1-2 with Yubdia. He put his left foot on it and fired it home in the top corner of the net. 1-0 to Russia. In the second half, Golovin had a long-range shot that went wide. Kurashev had a shot and it took a good save from Radecki to prevent a second. Russia had another chance as Sobolov squared it to Zemeletodinov, but he put it over and it finished Finland nil, Russia 1. So the main thing I have to say about this match is that it was really hard putting my notes together because every none of the players I'd heard of and they had all really difficult to pronounce names. So I apologise to the Finnish and Russian players if I've pronounced anyone wrong. Russia were quite wasteful with a few decent attempts they had, but at least they had that moment of brilliance from Moranchuk to give them the 1-0 win. I thought Finland were very unlucky with a disallowed goal, VAR being proper harsh on that occasion. But apart from that, there was very little to write home about for the Finns. I don't see them doing anything else in this tournament apart from getting comfortably beaten by Belgium. Oh, holds off defenders for fun. Tielemans set up by Hazard and by Hazard and De Bruyne. Oh, it is absolutely oh. wonderful from Belgium. They have brought oh. their class acts onto the field. And they are now playing the football that we expect of them. And Kevin De Bruyne is back. 2-1. In the other Group B game, it was Denmark versus Belgium. Many people were rooting for Denmark, and rightly so, after the Christian Eriksen incident in the first match. Could they pull off a bit of an upset against the on-form Belgium, who just came off the back of a 3-0 win against Russia? Well, it was a lightning start for Denmark in the second minute. Denier gave the ball away. Hobjob played the ball to Paulsen, who slotted it into the bottom corner. 1-0 to Denmark. Denmark had a chance to extend their lead. Marl whipped the ball into Vass and Courtois had to snatch the ball out of the air to deny him. So Belgium had planned to kick the ball out after 10 minutes to give a standing ovation for Christian Eriksen. The referee actually blew the whistle so they could do this. Everyone joined in for a minute of applause, including players, both sets of fans and officials. It really was quite something, quite a moving moment that one. Back underway and Damsgaard had a chance, tried to curl it in with his left foot but it went wide. There was a substitution as the second half kicked off. Kevin De Bruyne, who missed the first game due to injury, was subbed on for Mertens. De Bruyne got involved in the equaliser for Belgium. Lukaku made a run from the right and squared it to him. De Bruyne played it to Hazard, Torgan that is, not Eden, who had an easy tap in. 1-1. Belgium's second goal was even better. A lovely passer move as Lukaku played it to Tieldemans. Hazard played it back to the other Hazard, who squared it to De Bruyne. He hit a lovely low shot with his left foot to make it 2-1 Belgium. Late on, Braithwaite had a header for Denmark, but it hit the bar. Jensen had a shot from distance, but it went wide and over. Kasper Schmeichel came up for a late free kick. Belgium got the ball back and Menue tried a long-range shot with an open goal, but Skov Olsen blocked it. It finished Denmark 1, Belgium 2. Well, it's an old cliche, but they say it's a game of two halves, and this one certainly was. There was a little bit of controversy about De Bruyne and Witzel's involvement in this game, as manager Roberto Martinez said they weren't fit enough to play the whole 90 minutes, so they were left on the bench. But the way De Bruyne played in that second half, you wonder why he didn't start. He looked great here and turned the game on its head on his own for Belgium. They had a difficult first half and Denmark deserved to be in front at half-time. It's a shame really that Denmark didn't get anything out of this match, especially with what happened to Christian Eriksen and the unfair circumstances around them continuing that first game. They really deserved at least a point. There's still an outside chance they can qualify, but the mathematics of the group get really complicated if Denmark beat Russia. Then Russia would have beaten Finland, but Finland would have beaten Denmark, and who wins on the head-to-head -head record? They all beaten each other. They may defer to goal difference in that situation. 
The tribute to Christian Eriksen was a really touching moment, something that clearly meant a lot for both sets of players and fans. And fair play to the referee for stopping the game to make that happen. Well played, ref. Denmark are currently at the bottom of Group B with no points. Finland are third with three points. Russia are second with three points. They're head on the head-to-head record. And Belgium topped the group with six points. If Finland somehow beat Belgium, they will top the group, but Belgium are already through to the last 16. Now here's a chance for the young substitute, Marvick. Plays it square, and it's rattled into the back of the net. Hello, hello, hello. The freight train's arrived again. This ridiculous high line that Austria have been playing all game in the first half, and they've stuck with it again, and it's cost them. It's Group C time, and that means a trip to Amsterdam and the Johan Cruyff Arena for the Netherlands versus Austria. The Netherlands gave us a match of the tournament against Ukraine, while Austria got past North Macedonia after a few wobbles. With six goals between these two sides already, were we in for a bit of a thriller? VAR struck again as it determined that Dumfries was fouled in the box after Alaba stepped on him. The penalty was taken by Memphis Depay, who put it away to make it 1-0 Netherlands after only 11 minutes. Depay broke through once again down the right-hand side but hit the side netting. Dubai had another golden opportunity, Weghurst laid the ball across to him, but he skied it into the stands. Maybe the bounce put him off a bit, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there. In the second half, there was a bit of a scramble following a Netherlands corner. Weghorst headed to De Vry, but it was saved by Backman. Delete had a follow-up chance, but it was blocked out for a corner. Depay played the ball over the top to Marlon. Marlon ran into the box, squared it to Dumfries, who put it away. 2-0 Netherlands and Dumfries' second goal in the tournament. At first I thought it might be offside, but then the replay clearly showed that Marlon was way onside, so Batman's protest about it earned him a yellow card. Alaba had a shot from range for Austria, but it was just wide. Kaladic crossed the ball to Osimwo, but it was saved comfortably by Stecklenburg. And the final score was Netherlands 2, Austria 0. This wasn't as exciting as the opener for Netherlands, but it was an assured performance, and they'll be glad to keep a clean sheet after two goals conceded against Ukraine. The return of Delete in defence, who missed the first game due to injury, seems to shore things up at the back of it. Going forward, they were as dangerous as ever, with Dumfries and Depay becoming true stars of that front line. Watch out for them in the knockout stages. The Netherlands have now qualified as group winners, so will benefit from facing a third-place team in the round of 16. Austria's tactics seems to be questionable, as they played their star man David Alaba in a back three in defence. They also played a high line for the offside trap, which went horribly wrong on that second goal. They were missing Marko Arnautovic, who received a one-match ban for a rant he gave Alioski in Austria's first match against North Macedonia. They really could have done with his attacking threat here. This is more like the Austria I expected the Euros, reassuringly disappointing. And I think Ukraine will beat them in their final game, as they seem to be the better team. So, on to Ukraine's game against North Macedonia. Despite losing to the Dutch, Ukraine can take a bit of confidence from their opener, scoring two goals in the process. North Macedonia continue their run in their first ever European Championships. Could they keep themselves in the running to qualify? Malinowski had a low shot, but it was pushed wide by the goalkeeper. Malinowski played the ball to Yarmolenko, but keeper Dimitrescu was there to deny him again. A corner kick for Ukraine, it was flicked on by Karavev and Yarmolenko tucked it in at the back post, 1-0 Ukraine. Just five minutes later, Yarmolenko played the through ball to Yarmachuk, who slotted the ball past the keeper at the front post. 2-0 Ukraine. Pandev looked for his second goal of the Euros. He chipped the ball over the keeper and into the back of the net. But the flag went up. Offside, no goal. There was a nice bit of skill from Zinchenko. 
Karavid had a shot, but it deflected. Ukraine had a free kick from out wide in the second half and Dimitreski had to deal with it. Treskovsky had a cracking shot from outside the box. Bushan did brilliant to tip the ball onto the bar. But as soon as the ball came back out, Pandev was fouled in the box by Karavev and North Macedonia had a penalty. Up step leads Alioski. Bushan saved to his right, but Alioski got the rebound and tucked it away to make it 2-1. After a VAR check, Ukraine had a penalty of their own for a handball in the box. Malinowski stepped up and his penalty was saved by Dimitreski. We're really not doing well for penalties here at the Euros. God knows what will happen if we get a penalty shootout. Probably end nil-nil. Anyway, the match ended Ukraine 2, North Macedonia 1. Yes, it's another one of those, this game on paper looks rubbish, but actually turns out to be pretty good. I think Ukraine might be the best side to watch in this tournament because they're great at going forward, but they're also pretty dodgy at the back and that makes for some really entertaining matches. Yarmolenko has found form at the right time and they've got plenty of options going forward. I do see them troubling Austria in their final game. You do have to feel a bit for North Macedonia. They are officially out now. I predicted big things for them at this tournament and obviously I was wrong. But they have scored two goals, so it's not like they're the worst team in this Euros. They're certainly doing a lot better job than Turkey, let's just say that. Kudos particularly have to go to the veteran Pandev and to the keeper Dimitrescu, who I thought had a brilliant game today, kept the scoreline from getting out of control. So North Macedonia are bottom of Group C and will stay there with no points. Austria are currently in third with three points, with Ukraine ahead in second. Also on three points, but with one more goal scored than Austria, Netherlands top the group and that's how they'll finish it with six points. So Ukraine versus Austria is really the crucial one there, but both teams could still qualify, win or lose. So that's it for this edition of Years of Hurt, a Euro 2020 podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at YOHEuros to get involved in the conversation. And stay tuned after the credits because there'll be some bonus content from my watch along of France versus Germany on Tuesday night. We'll be back after Wales's game against Italy to see where they ended up in Group A. Until then, from me, Richard Carey, it's goodbye. The only other German I know is from the Nena song, 99 Luftballons. I don't even know what I'm saying when I sing along to that. No idea. I suspect it's about red balloons, but Luftballons doesn't actually translate to red balloons. It's like air balloons or something. Luft is air, like Lufthansa and Luftwaffe. I'm sorry, I mentioned the war. It's been one minute into this game and I mentioned the war. Absolutely awful there. Oh, Kante once again intercepting, as you'd expect from the Frenchman. He sucks up trophies. He's like a trophy vacuum, that N'Golo Kante, isn't he? Just go, and all the trophies will come to him. So things can change on a sixpence. That's a really old saying. That's a pre-decimization. Turn on a sixpence, isn't that the saying? Why am I bringing back sayings from the 70s? I was really born in the 80s. The Twitter hashtag for this match is Fragia. It sounds wrong. It does, doesn't it? It's that Rüdiger with the face mask. Who's that behind the meds? It's like that bloody ITV. The Masked Footballer, that's what we need. A new show. You should be dressing as a hedgehog or something, though, shouldn't you? Or, or a squirrel or some sort of animal. And then be some like B-level politician from the, from the 2000s. 
Oh, it's Alan Johnson. I like how, like, uh, Joachim Lowe just turns up with a black shirt on, like he's Steve Jobs or something. Like he's going to present the new iMac. Muller is down. He's just got back up again. You're never going to keep him down. Just like Chumbawamba. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Muller with the ball. No. They're so good at defending those French. You know, Varane at the back. It's like it's like a brick wall back there. Dare I say the Berlin Wall? They're in Munich. It doesn't make any sense. You can't call it the Berlin Wall. So they were saying in halftime there was this guy who like parachuted down into the stadium. I thought maybe James Bond was coming in to take out the competition. You know, if you can't beat Germany and France, take them out. Isn't that right? That would be favourites then. Just seen a, a bad joke on Twitter. I once tried to buy a town in the south of France, but locals were Avignon of it. You get it? Avignon? It's like the place in France. It's so funny. Can Germany do anything with it? I'm trying to kill her. I've just killed them off. Sorry, vegans. That's funny. It's just, it's the assistant manager of Germany is dressed exactly the same as Joachim Lowe. <laughs> like they're twins or something. Six minutes. Six added minutes. That's madness. Six minutes. What What else could you do in six minutes? No, not, I'm not thinking of that. But <laughs> well, what could you microwave in six minutes? Possibly two Chicago Town pizzas badly, depending on what setting your microwave is. She can technically do them in three minutes, but why are they? Have, you know those silver like um, you know circle things they have. When you put them on there, they just get stuck to the cylinder and it tastes like crap. Basically, the moral of the story is stick your mini Chicago Town pizzas in the oven because they'll be a lot better. I don't know why I'm talking about this. This has nothing to do with football, but it's a, it's a fun aside if nothing else.